on today's Daily Charge Supercharged Edition. How did Apple cut corners to get the cost of the iPhone 11 down? Are Apple TV accounts transferable? Apple TV Plus versus Disney Plus. What's the better value? And what's left for Apple to announce in October? Okay, so we're about to get to the Q&A section of the show. But first, we've got an interview between our own Roger Chang and Ian Greenblatt of J.D. Power. Check it out. Ian, thanks for joining us. Um, just to kick things off, I mean, the price of a new iPhone is roughly $1,000. The iPhone XS Max is $1,100. You know, you're, you're looking to pay upwards of, you know, $1,300, $1,400 if you really want to bump up the specs. Like, have phone prices just gotten out of hand? What, what, what does some of your research say? Well, of course, the, the phone prices are what the market will bear. And Apple sells millions and millions and millions of handsets each year. So the market is bearing the increased price on those handsets, specifically on, on the larger handsets, the bigger battery handsets, the larger screen handsets like the Macs. Uh, but the market's bearing it. Now, the, the price increases are certainly making the handset replacement cycle longer. Um, and th- th- we've seen that a lot. People are holding their phones much longer these days, uh, over 18 months, which is which is longer than uh, previously. Yeah, and th- that's a that's a great point, and particularly this year, because I feel like even if you're a hardcore Apple fan, um, you know, this may be a year where you you look to kind of hold off. Because if you just sort of look ahead to 2020, you've got 5G around the corner, at least the rumors of 5G coming to iPhone. You know, what what is sort of the what's going on in the, in the mind of uh, of a you know an Apple fan or really just any kind of smartphone consumer looking to weigh the decision between buying a phone now versus waiting a year to get uh, get potentially 5G access. Yeah, that's a great question. So it's it's all about 5G, and consumers are really concerned about that thousand dollar, eleven hundred dollar mistake. Um, they're concerned about buying a pricey device, unable to take advantage of the latest technologies like 5G. Now that carrier problem as well. Or that's a carrier problem as well, because but it's something they're aware of, and are marketing to think again of the Apple Upgrade plan, where you exchange your phone and pay a bit of a premium in the forty to fifty-five dollar a month uh, area, in order to upgrade that handset yearly, and it eliminates that concern. Now for the iPhone 11 uh, specifically, like you just mentioned, we've got 5G on the horizon. And we've got a device that, by all accounts, and again, these are just rumors in it, we haven't held the handset in our hands yet, um, won't be 5G capable. And now, now that's obviously going to put some money back in people's pockets uh, when they were ready to buy. I don't know if you, if you recall, and, and, and I'm obviously dating myself by talking about it, but back, back in the day when the first Android 3.0 tablet was out, uh, Android 3.0 was Honeycomb, if you can remember back that far, so the H uh, in Honeycomb for Android 3.0, that was a 3G tablet, the Motorola Zoom. It shipped with 3G modem hardware. And when it went to market, it went to market with the promise that if you send it back to us in the next few months, and I believe it was four months, that Motorola would replace the modem hardware in it with 4G hardware. Now, as a selling point, these tablets, this is quite some time ago, this is seven years ago, the tablet price point was $800, and and that was expensive. Uh, So they didn't sell a whole ton, and they didn't sell a whole ton for those two reasons, a high price point, which, again, we're seeing today, sort of reminiscent of today, as well as somewhat dated technology, not able to take care of, uh, take advantage of, excuse me, that newest um, network capability. 
you know, 5G is definitely a, sort of a topic that a lot of folks are talking about. But I'm curious, I'm, I'm all about 5G all the time, but I know that most consumers probably vaguely are aware of this term, but don't know the ins and outs. Like, if, from your research, what are you finding in terms of how much people understand in terms of 5G? Because there, there's definitely been a lot of confusion out there. Yeah, there's confusion in the space. You've got it right. And some of that's on purpose, right? Because some carriers market with, with interesting terms in order to gain early market acceptance of the concept of 5G, then things like 5GE. Not really 5G. Yeah, AT&T is um, definitely taking its fair share of criticism for that. Yeah, unfortunately, they caught some lumps on that one. But the cable space, right, the, the landline providers who are also uh, moving into the wireless game, are, are, no, are not without blame here, right, with the 10G moniker. Yes. Who needs 5G when you have 10G? <laughs> which, which was, you know, I hear you chuckling, and you should, because it's kind of funny when you think about it. Uh, obviously, those are apples and oranges. Uh, they're both fruit and they're both round, but that's where the, the similarities end. 10G is obviously metro Ethernet, yep. right? 10 gigabit Ethernet. Uh, that has nothing to do with, with wireless uh, technologies. So I think there's some FUD, you know, intentional confusion in this space. And then there's also just consumers are not necessarily aware of what 5G is. I mean, beyond the technology bubble that you and I live in, it's not the first thing on everybody's mind. Mm -hmm. Now, better, faster, not cheaper um, is on many folks' mind all the time. And 5G will be, in fact, better and faster, not necessarily cheaper. There will, of course, be an adder uh, to, to engage, to get that technology or take advantage of those high speeds. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a bit of um, confusion in the space and more investment and building will need to be done on the network infrastructure so that it is seamless and ubiquitous, right? Available everywhere, works inside or outside, uh, not on a particular street corner in Chicago, outside at a, ca at a cafe if you point it at a particular building. Um, so you, there needs to be additional seamless, ubiquitous 5G in order for the average consumer to even take notice of it more than, hey, 5G sounds cool. Is that faster? Yeah, for sure. And it's a great point because, I mean, you've seen a bunch of Android phones out there with 5G touting the fact that, you know, they're first to 5G. You know, they're, they're making some groundbreaking devices here. Go, bring it back to Apple. I mean, do you think it, ultimately it's the right call for Apple to... Uh, you know, hold off on 5G until 2020. Now, I know that, you know, circumstances basically forced Apple's hand into delaying 5G till, till next year. But do you think ultimately that's the right call, given the fact that there still needs to be some maturity that happens with 5G networks? Right. It's, it's the, uh, the availability of the chipset that, that caused them to push it into 2020. Um, you know, the early bird gets the worm, but the second rat gets the cheese. So uh, what I can say is that while being able to see what the market, uh, where the market moves um, by having the, the early movers named Samsung and LG go out and, and prove the market for them. Now, the market for faster, better handset is definitely there. The question is, what potholes haven't we seen? And by allowing other manufacturers to step in them first, you get to take advantage uh, of that map, if you will. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Now, thinking about it in exacting the maximum amount of revenue at each technological stage or each technological rollout stage, if you, if you look at it that way, actually Apple's taking a great advantage of being able to take advantage of those who always have to have the, the biggest, baddest uh, boy on the block, say that 10 times fast. <laughs> and so 
I, I actually think it's not such a bad move. I think it's quite it's quite savvy. In fact, Apple Apple devotees will buy anything with an Apple on it more often than not because they're they're dedicated to a um, an, an infrastructure well, an infrastructure and a platform that if you know just works right that's that's their moniker it just works right. it's easy to use just works so those that are devoted to it are going to buy it anyway and, and they're going to enjoy it and they're going to love it and they're going to tout it and they they're going to say that they can't wait for the next one well yeah and Apple has you know demonstrated a history of uh, mainstreaming different trends right whether it's making your phone water resistant or adding a fingerprint reader uh, now making you know the notch was a thing that the companies were copying for a while. You think that's what's going to take for 5G to go into mainstream awareness? That Apple has to go in, step in, and basically legitimize this technology before you know you're basically everyone understands what 5G is. Mm, I don't know if I if I believe that, um, and I'll tell you why. Think of the first time what, what's going to happen in the market. The first time someone ships a television set with an embedded 5G modem. Kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. You've literally cut the cable as opposed to just cord shaving and reducing video services. You can put it on, plug it into an outlet, put it on the wall, and it'll get you know full full HD or 4K television. That'll be a, that'll be a major move. Once once the market starts to taste what um, that full band that full bandwidth full wireless bandwidth uh, flavor tastes like. I think we're in for an ent- a real sea change in the market, and I don't know that it just takes Apple coming to market with, with a device uh, to do it. Now, do you think that, that that 5G TV shows up before a 5G iPhone? Or just ask it in a more broader way, like right now all we've seen generally are 5G phones and you know 5G hotspot here and there. Right. We haven't seen a lot of different 5G devices, right? And, and that's ultimately what the promise is of the technology, but do you think some of these other applications, some of these other devices, will be able to take take advantage of five G before an Apple five G iPhone gets here? Mm, likely not. Um, I, I think you're right in terms of coming to market. Apple's five G iPhone will be here prior to to any of the, the kind of things we were talking about. I think uh, I'll see you at CES in 2021, and we can we can figure out which which uh, panel provider has the best five G television. Thanks, Roger. So now, as always, we turn to our live audience to see which of today's stories they want to learn more about during our live Q&A portion. All right. So, BVG, what have we got for today? Uh, Let's go ahead and jump into the chat and take some great comments and questions that are just flooding in uh, as everybody's joined us here today to get a taste of what's the remnant of uh, Apple's keynote from yesterday. Uh, First and foremost, I just want to say I wish somebody would clap every time I hit the button clicker on a PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) Tim. Uh, First question, uh, let's take one from Timothy. Do, uh, Do you know if the Apple TV Plus that comes with the iPhone, if that is transferable? Joan, what's he talking about? Um, I'm not exactly sure what he means by transferable. Um, yeah, because I don't know what would be transferred. <laughs> but uh, maybe this might answer the question. Uh, it is five dollars a month for your family, whatever that is. So I guess. Oh, you, could. you mean like it can you get get like a coupon code and you can give it to somebody else to use? You know, I, I believe that might be the case. <laughs> I don't know. I imagine what happens is that when you activate your device. Um, the the one year free subscription is going to be attached to whatever um, 
Apple ID you use, that's sort of like the activating Apple ID either for your phone or for your Apple TV or iPod Touch or whatever the device it is. So I imagine that it's linked to your um, your Apple ID. You're basically your account with Apple because um, that's also how Apple TV Plus is going to charge you. Just you know, like like they do like iTunes and uh, well, iTunes doesn't exist anymore. But how the App Store charges you, it's linked to your your Apple ID. Uh, also, for folks that are interested in the service, obviously you'd be able to watch it on your iPhone. And also, if you have an Apple TV device. What other, like, if I want to watch it on a big screen, what are the other ways that I could watch it? Uh, well, right now, um, as far as we know, it's only Apple TV and, oh, some, good. and, and some Samsung smart TVs. Seriously? Yeah. So thanks. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to watch it on a mobile phone or on any mobile device, the only options to watch it in an app are iPhones and iPads. You can't watch it on Android phones. You can't watch it on Samsung phones. Um, can't watch it on Pixels unless you want to stream it via the web. And on big screen TVs, it's either Apple TV or Samsung TVs. Um, now, Apple has promised that it will make its TV app available for Roku's, Fire TVs, and smart TVs from Vizio, LG, and I think maybe one other. Yeah, like everybody else. Yeah. Right, and like well, not big... even like like everybody else. It's table stakes in streaming video to have your product available with an app on Roku. Everywhere. Right. Like anywhere that people could pot, like not only Roku, but like gaming consoles are a huge place that people like to stream. So like PlayStation, uh, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and all these other streaming, you know, streaming sticks are important that are, you know, maybe made by Google. So um, yeah, there are some limitations on how you'll actually be able to watch hmm. the service. More questions, please. From SK, uh, we didn't see the new 16-inch MacBook Pro, so will there be an October event for Apple? We also didn't see the rumored iPad Pro either. Short answer, yes. We are expecting an October event. We yeah. don't have any inside knowledge on that, but that has been pretty typical of the company. Usually, if they're pretty light on um, some of their uh, PC news or their computer news, then right. they... They just move over and do it in an October event. So I would say if you're really dying to find out about, you know, their their Mac lineup, just wait another month and we'll probably have another event coming. Yeah. Do we have any timetables for when Apple TV Plus is coming to other devices like the Roku? Good question. Um, Apple has said that it's supposed to happen this year. Um, but so far, I think they made that announcement early in the year. I believe. Um, and so far, they've only made it so far as to get it onto Samsung Smart TVs. And the rest were still waiting. Tim asks, do you know if the codec of those 4K videos are in H.265? If not, the 64 gigabyte storage is definitely not going to be enough. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, but like you're streaming it anyway, right? Yeah, there are downloads available. I don't know the codec, um, but... Uh, Apple TV Plus will have a download option. Um, they haven't. They haven't. They didn't even specifically say that there would be a download option. It's just what you can deduce from the fact that they said that you'll be able to watch these shows both online and offline. So we don't know much about what downloads are going to entail, really. And we don't know the codec. Hopefully, it won't eat up a whole bunch of your phone. Yeah, just buy the most expensive one. Buy the two hundred. <laughs> 56 gig, and then you're going to be fine for like five days. I don't know. Do we know who has the most storage as far as mobiles go right now out there in the market? Obviously, Apple's hovering the pretty median mark right there, uh, dangerously low with the 64. But who who is really like who's got the, the oh, tank out there? OK, so Apple has gone as high as 512 gigs 
that was last year's models. I imagine they're going to continue doing that for this year's. Uh, does anybody do a terabyte? Probably. There's probably a Chinese manufacturer that does that. <laughs> Somebody in the chat help me out. <laughs> I am not a Google Is search. Is Roger in the chat? Is yeah. he lurking? Probably. Uh, Ryan asks, LCD screen on the iPhone 11, why wouldn't they upgrade that to an LED screen? Okay. Uh, the price down. Even the S10e has an AMOLED screen. So that's a good question. However, I would probably say that people were already buying the 10R. Like they already proved in the market that people were more than happy to buy an iPhone with an LCD screen, even though Samsung and a handful of other phone manufacturers have switched over to OLED for similarly priced devices. So uh, as much as folks that watch this show know that Apple has generally been behind the ball with a yeah. lot of different features and innovations, um, their most hardcore audience, their loyal fans really don't seem to mind that much. And honestly, the LCD screen is one of the best LCD screens that are out on the market. A lot of reviewers have said that. Um, I personally like the OLED more, but, uh, it's, if you really want an OLED, I guess you could go for a pro version, but it is going to cost you a lot more money. Ryan cites that he does believe that the S10 Plus does have a uh, one terabyte storage drive, and I do believe he's correct with that one. Uh, Jay says, has the, has the price price of the Apple TV Plus changed any of your minds about getting the service? It sold me, plus getting that free next year when I upgrade. Right now, I'm still hovering on that Disney Plus train. That three-year deal <laughs> was hard to look away from. <laughs> yeah, so... Um yeah, Brian's referring to there was a Disney Plus offer where if you signed up for three years, it lowered the price to basically what the price of Apple TV Plus will be on an ongoing basis. It was about you could get Disney Plus for like I think it was like four dollars and seventy two cents if you paid for three years up front. Um, and, you know, yeah, Apple pricing it. There had been reports that Apple was going to price it at 10 bucks a month, which would have been like more than a dollar per title at launch. Which, <laughs> so it's wise that they were like, let's slow our roll a little. Pricing it at five dollars makes a lot of sense, and you know if you want, don't if you're going to be getting it for free, there's nothing to object to, and if you don't mind paying five bucks a month for like eight shows and one movie, all right, yeah, good for you. I was anticipating ten dollars a month. Five dollars does seem cheap uh, in the Apple world, but at the same time, the competitive set really forced their hand on this yeah. one. Yeah. They were going to be shooting themselves in the foot before they even went out. Yeah. If they were going to do ten dollars a month. Yeah, I mean Disney Plus pricing itself standard. Its standard price is seven dollars a month um, without any sort of promotion, and seven dollars a month is two dollars more than what Apple is going to be charging. But Disney Plus is starting with nine original series at launch. So same number as original or as total titles. Like the number of original series on Disney Plus is the entire catalog of <laughs> Apple at launch. Not to mention Disney Plus is going to have literally hundreds of movies and literally thousands of TV episodes. So well, like also what's the base price on Netflix? And Netflix, Netflix base price, the most popular plan for Netflix is their $13 plan. They have a $9 plan and a $16 one. But you get the same catalog for each. It's just a matter of like the definition quality of video that you get and the and number of streams, simultaneous yeah. streams that you get. So Netflix charges more than double what Apple's charging, but they have it's safe to say more than double that they they have more than eighteen titles exponentially. Yeah, <laughs> it's safe to say more than eighteen. Like between yes. the date between the date that between the date that Apple TV Plus announced like its details yesterday and the day that it launches, Netflix is going to release thirty two original series or movies or specials. 
Wow. So like triple the amount that Apple Plus will have. Like that's just in the in the in, in the time, but time in the two months between like an, less than two months between announcement and launch. Yeah. Whew. Anyway. Very interesting. That's a good stat. <laughs> yeah. Co-producer Sally has confirmed that the Galaxy Note 10 is expandable up to one terabyte uh, with a uh, SD card, micro makes SD sense. card. So that yeah. does make sense. Thanks, That's Sally. Yeah, those SD cards. Uh, Duran in France is still waiting for Disney Plus and Roku. And that just sparked a thought in my mind. This is one of the first times that the creator is the studio owner is a streaming service all in the same hood. In the past, you've seen things like Netflix that you've got to get different distribution rights. Like for us, uh, the one that hits closest home is that CBS All Access has produced this Picard show in cooperation with Amazon, but Amazon's distributing it internationally because CBS All Access does not exist internationally. Uh, are there going to be any weird licensing things? Are we going to see different markets see different content from Disney Plus? For Disney Plus or for Apple TV Plus? Let's, let's hit both. Okay. Well, for um, the answer for Apple TV Plus is probably going to be simply. Every, it'll be available. It'll be like Netflix, where basically, well, I shouldn't say that. That'll make things complicated. It'll be, I presume, since they're not going to have any licensed content, at least that we know about, they are going to be able to have all their originals available in every market at the exact same time. And that's the value of making originals. Yeah. You control the content. Yeah, you have much more control over it. Um, Disney Plus, its originals are going to be available. Um, Everywhere that the service is live, the service is launch. The service is launching in four markets and four countries um, at the beginning, and then it's going to have a progressive rollout worldwide. So as new countries come online, the only thing that's going to be like basically windowing the content is the actual launch of the service in your country. Um, but because they are, they do have this like big back catalog of stuff. There will be. Instances where in some markets, some things aren't available for certain periods of time. Things will maybe go and come back. The idea is that Disney Plus would have all of the Star Wars and all of the Marvel and all the Pixar and all the Disney proper stuff that you can think of, but that's not going to be how it is in its entirety. There will be things that come and go. And Disney Plus launches also in November, Yeah, November 12th. Huh. Interesting. (laughs) Do you see Google's response to get a new Pixel and free YouTube Premium for six months or maybe YouTube TV for like three months? That could be interesting. Yeah, I think we're all waiting for like more bundles. Yeah. Because there are a lot of these new services coming out from from Apple, Google, Disney. Well, I mean, according to the Chinese calendar, it is the year of the bundle. It's the year of the... It's the year of the bundle, apparently. Sure. (laughs) Um, So... I don't know. We'll we'll find out if yeah. if there are going to be more bundles. There's obviously excitement anytime a new bundle does get announced, right? Yeah. And there have been a couple that have been announced. Yeah. Um, in the past, what is it? In the past year so far, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Disney is bundling its streaming services together. Um, people are expecting Apple. They were expecting Apple to announce a bundle of its, you know, like Apple Music and its Apple News Plus. Um, iCloud. Yeah, like they have services that they can package together. Maybe it's something that they're going to save for holiday promotion or who knows exactly. They didn't mention anything about it yesterday. So, so far, no bundles that would include all these Apple services wrapped up together. Let's talk about uh, Google or sorry, Google, uh, Apple Arcade. Uh, it did right. fly a little bit under the radar yesterday, but they definitely gave it a, a fair fair amount of screen time. Uh, does it compare to Stadia? Is it more like Netflix for games? Uh, was it? A promise of 100 games at launch, or are we still kind of weary about that launch library? And finally, was anyone a little passe to that announcement? 
Gaming isn't my thing, but I do. My understanding is the number was 100. I can't remember if that was actually at launch or if there's going to be some sort of like windowing with that. But the idea is that there would be 100 games to play. Um, also, it's going to be $5 a month, like uh, Apple TV Plus. And the idea is, yeah, it's like you sign up and it's it's a game streaming service where there's no kind of bounds to what you can play. You can play, play anything you want for as long as you want. Yeah. They're definitely trying to push that one along with TV Plus and trying to, okay, we, we can't convince you guys to buy a new phone every single year, but maybe we can uh, encourage you to get subscription services and then you've got yeah. kind of that recurring revenue going on. And I think a lot of companies are trying to do that right now, especially Apple, as yeah. they've seen iPhone kind of diminish as being like the big thing that they're doing. Uh, with, with arcade. Yeah. I'm kind of like Joan, the gaming area is not as much my forte. So, uh, how much more substantial or significant it is compared to stadia. I don't really know. I was always under the impression that stadia was a bigger, uh, push, but at the same time, Apple's really similar to TV plus. I believe it's less content, but they're really trying to emphasize, like, look how awesome this is and look how much work and effort we put into every single one of these games. Uh, we'll see if that works. Yeah. Obviously, that's Apple's play a lot of the time. But um, yeah, $5 a month, maybe it'll work. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm not so sure. It's, on a that stu- one. it's the same sort of like steep hill to climb where you're going to be launching a service emphasizing quality, um, not quantity in a vertical, you know, in an area that you don't have any reputation or like track record, you know, like Apple. I mean, Apple is a provider of of some of the most popular mobile games in the world, but they've never been like the creator of them. These are also mobile games. This is important to yeah, remember. Exactly. So this right. is these are not Xbox games. These are not PlayStation They're games. All mobile games. These aren't even close, I would argue, to a triple A title. Um, so is that really going to encourage I, I would love to hear from people on the chat from this is that $5 a month, you're really like, you're agreeing to um, kind of take this journey with Apple that you're going to be using this on a somewhat regular basis as opposed to just buying a console game once in a while, whatever. Uh, So is that going to encourage big time gamers to actually go for it? I don't think so. I don't know. No, I don't know. Like like regular gamers are not going to go for this. Like people that play a lot of PlayStation or Xbox games. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of casual gamers might gravitate more to this. And part of the problem, there's also the device support element to it. If it's only going to be available, it's a mobile. I believe it's only going to be available to play on iPads and iPhones. Am I wrong about that? I think it's also their like laptops and their computers. too. Right. But not, but like if you have an Android phone, then you're out of luck. And I think you're right about that at the same time. Like that's what they're trying to do with everything. They're like, just stay in the Apple ecosystem. Yeah. But that doesn't work for content. Like it doesn't, that's not how people like their content. They'd like to be able to play it on what they have. If they want to play it, then they want to play it on what they have. Hmm. All right. We're almost out of time. Let's fly through the last couple here at the end. Why didn't Apple purchase a studio that, that already has IP to increase their content offerings like Sony? Yeah, that's, um, I mean, Apple has always perennially been postulated as being able to buy Netflix because they just have so Apple has so much money, more money than God. So they could buy anybody. Um, I think part of the reason why they'd rather do it by building it themselves is because, A, it's cheaper. 
And B, you, you're not paying for a bunch of problems that you, you know, like whatever problems that you create when you build it yourself, they're problems of your own making. You're not going to be inheriting any problems from some other legacy company that has business models that you think are tired or outdated. And, and cultures can be different too. We're yeah. seeing that with AT&T. AT&T is a really great example. Yeah. Just to put on my old Wall Street Journal cap here for a second, there's an activist investor that's going after AT&T right now saying, hey, you just gobbled up Time Warner for a ton of money. After gobbling up DirecTV for a ton of money. Right. So what, like, like, show me the money. How are you actually, you know, successfully doing that? So there's always this argument that, yeah, Apple is, has this huge cash pile. Why don't they just buy something? Well, it's not that simple, you know? I you mean, can, it could be. It could they be. Could. But you have cultural differences, like, yeah. like corporate cultural differences. Yeah. And a handful of variety of other things. I really like what you said, too, as far as like you're inheriting a lot of problems or a lot of, you know, um, just skeletons in the closet that you're yeah. getting from other companies. Yeah. So uh, it's it's not that simple. And therefore, Apple just decided to just kind of grab a bunch of try to do this more in the independent way. And because Apple is Apple, they got some of the biggest names in entertainment. Yeah. They got Oprah. They got Spielberg involved. Like those are. J.J. Abrams. Nothing to sneeze yeah. at. Like, those are huge, huge names. Those yeah. are those are some of the top, top tier talent out there. So um, they're they're not having a problem getting their foot in the door, obviously, yeah. because they do have a very big checkbook. Yeah, because they have a huge checkbook. They can shower money on people. And they also have the, I mean, they have the cachet. Apple is like a very sleek, premium company, and, and it's trusted as a brand. So, like, that works for Hollywood talent and Hollywood creators as much as it does for consumers like there's a there's an aura around apple so having lots of money and having an aura of being like super slick and cool helps even if you want to make ridiculously expensive television shows <laughs> yeah closing thoughts what were your favorite announcements from the event yesterday and what were your favorite colors of the new phone <laughs> uh that that like purple that doesn't really look like purple i guess that's my favorite color because i haven't really seen that one before was it google that has the pink color that they call not pink not pink why yeah. did i mean yeah so it's like this incredibly pale pink that being said like the colors are so unimportant to me because you always put them in a case anyway just kind right of like, who cares about the colors right oh, but they uh, were warming up yesterday trying to make it sound like you don't need to caseify this this yeah round. they were like oh if you want a case here are some cases. I'm like, of course I'm putting a case on a $1,000 phone. Are you out of your mind? Um, the most interesting announcement, it goes back to exactly what we said earlier on the show, which was the $700 price uh, tag yeah. on, on the iPhone 11. I think that speaks volumes to where we are with Apple right now. And unfortunately, I think we're also going to have to wait and see for 2020. Uh, I feel like we say this a lot. But maybe next year will be better. Maybe next year will be more interesting as far as like a 5G yeah. iPhone or something that's a little bit more innovative. Yeah. I mean, my my take is a cop out, which is like I thought the most interesting announcements were the things they didn't talk about, which is like there's not going to be 5G, which I think that anybody that's going to invest $1,000 or even $700 in a phone, considering people don't update every single year anymore. You want to future proof it you for want at least the next year. Yeah, and yeah. like 5G is going to be coming a fast. Like they didn't, nothing about folding or any sort, because of course they wouldn't. Like that's so, they're not going to touch that until the market's like, oh yeah, 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 we love that. We'll we'll, we'll gobble that up from you. And they're like, okay, here you go. Um, <laughs> Joan, you're on fire with impressions today. Oh, that, you think my, my Apple impression is on point? Yes. I've been working really hard on it, thanks. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It's a little <laughs> bit of the shades of goofy in there, so that's pretty good. <laughs> 
That's the market. What else didn't they talk about? I don't know. There's a lot. There's, There's a lot. lot. There's, There's more a lot than they missing. didn't talk about. My, my, my most interesting thing from yesterday's event was what wasn't there. Yeah, I wish they had said something about the Apple Card, too. They just announced the Apple Card in late August. Right. I was hoping they would at least say something Granted, I was on the hook to write about the Apple card, so maybe I'm just <laughs> mad that, you know, I didn't get to write about it. But anyway, yeah. uh, we'll we'll see. That's another one of those services or those new things that they're really trying to push as they expand out of the iPhone. So, yeah, yeah. I'm going to side with the audience on this one. I like the Expedition Green as well. Um, I don't know. Is that the light green or the dark green I for the pro? The dark green, isn't it? The dark. Uh, like the forest so green. I thought the green looked sharp, but I like the color green. Uh, people were disappointed with the lack of 5G and lack of wireless charging. Well, the wireless charging has been right. the ongoing right. curse. The 5G, I don't know. I couldn't care less. I think Apple might be just playing it safe and not jumping too early on into untreaded waters. I mean, it's it's coming one way or another. Uh, we're all just kind of like circling that carcass right now to see where it takes us. <laughs> the 5G carcass? <laughs> yes. Sure. Because it's already dead. Because there are It's a great image. 60. Uh, Wait, I have to hit the hype button. <laughs> That's right. So one more before Anytime, we uh, let everybody go. Michael Brown wants to know if we believe, and just put your analyst cap on for this one, not our personal feelings, do we think the market is going to respond by uh, having the iPhone 11 or Pro being the most popular smartphones of 2019, 2020? Why or why not? Hmm. In the entire marketplace? Are we talking global marketplace or U.S. marketplace? I think I, I, I feel really confident that this is going to be a better sales year for iPhone than the last one was. I think that's generally true when we're talking about the kind of new, like, whatever, like you call it, like the 11 sources. The, like when it's not intergenerational years, those are always a little bit down. The half years. A, yeah. yeah, the half years. This is a new generation year. And it also by lowering that price point, I think is going to spur a lot more unit sales um, for the main phone that people are going to be going after. I think there's maybe a little bit of pent up demand. And so I think it's going to be a really strong year for the iPhone proper as to whether it's going to beat out other phones worldwide. In the U.S., I don't know. I'm not really good at that. I'd have to of, look at you know yeah. existing data. I think Samsung is way ahead. Um, I think Huawei has been way ahead as far as like actual total unit sales. But don't take that to the bank, please. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not 100% sure with that. But I agree with everything you said as far as that. Um, this is probably going to be a better year from them. Um, they always make tons of money off of the iPhone, and this won't be any different. Yeah. Maybe they're going to be able to stabilize the business off of this. But... At the same time, I think a lot of consumers are going to wait and they're going to wait for that 5G phone, which yeah. if Apple knows what it's doing, it is going to prepare for next September. You know, so we'll see when that happens. Yeah. Shout out to Ayaz who points out that the green color is actually titled Midnight Green. My yeah, life. that's what I thought. I thought Expedition Green sounded right. But honestly, yesterday <laughs> was such a blur that I don't even know anymore. Expedition Green sounds cooler, though. You got to give me that much, right? It's whatever. I'm also uh, we can call it Expedition Green, just like we called it the iPhone X for way too long. <laughs> and thank God we're thank not saying <laughs> it's not iPhone XI Pro Max. Wait, I don't even I don't Ugh. even know. Oh, I'm going to fall off my chair. That's so horrible. Well, that's my biggest <laughs> applause to yesterday is that they finally cleaned up the naming convention. Yes. Yeah. It's I mean, it was just a mess. 10R X. It's just so stupid. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> All right, it's time for us to go. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll be back one more time tomorrow. Maybe a little more Apple Chatter, maybe not. We'll see. Uh, but anyways, thanks for putting up with us. I hope we uh, entertained you, recapped well enough. I'm sure this conversation will be ongoing for a while. And I hope if anybody jumped on to the actual live stream, live stream yesterday, enjoyed Bridget 
and Ayaz and Mr. Bacalar chattering for three and a half hours straight. What troopers that they had to keep their butts planted there and watch that stream. My butt is still numb because I had to sit here and push the button through the entire thing. Right, Sally? Yeah. So thanks again, everybody. Ben, go ahead and send us home. Okay, before we wrap things up, we want to remind viewers and listeners that there is one day left for our contest to win a Hasbro <laughs> Cubby Robotic Stuff Bear. Just uh, click on through to CNET.com slash giveaway. Try to get that robot bear, people. <laughs> Thanks for all your questions and keep sounding off here and in the comments or at us on Twitter. And while you're at it, go ahead and throw us a like and ring the bell so you can catch us here on YouTube, Periscope, and CNET.com slash Daily Charge. We're here live weekday mornings at 11.15 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, links to today's headlines are... What are you laughing at? Links to today's headlines are in the description below. Also, the audio podcast is available everywhere. Fine podcasts are available. For The Daily Charge, I'm Ben Fox Rubin. I'm Joni Zaldo. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. <laughs>